Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Practitioner to practitioner conversations to inspire, mentor and learn from. Hello, this is Angela Carroll and today I'm in Mount Wellington in New Zealand speaking with Dr Tony Edwards. Dr Tony Edwards is a highly successful New Zealand Integrated General Practitioner at the Doctors Green Meadows. Dr Tony practices with specialists and natural health care practitioners in a very busy practice. Tune in today to get an insight into practice as an integrated GP, the ups and downs and the amazing rewards of taking the step forward into the future of functional medicine. Today's conversation is a generous insight, whether you're a GP, natural healthcare practitioner or an integrated GP. Dr Tony Edwards, thank you so much for uh, your time today. I really do appreciate it because I know it's a fair bit of time out of your busy schedule, but uh, I think it's uh, an important thing for our naturopaths and our integrated GPs uh, and our other practitioners to be able to hear what it's like, the life of a an integrated GP. I think it's good for us to have an understanding and it's I think it's for maybe for doctors that are thinking that they might want to become an integrated GP, what's it like, what's you know the the upside of it, the downsides of it. And uh, yeah, so that's I really appreciate your time to be able to talk about these sorts of sorts of things. So you're in Napier yeah. in uh, what's the population of Napier? About 55,000. Okay, so you've got a fair patient population. Yeah, it's about 160 in the district. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get um, many people coming from out of town? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You were saying that your issue is not getting new patients in. It's finding time to see them. Yes. Okay. So how does does it roll in? Actually, let's go back. Let's go back to... You were a GP at some stage, at some stage your brain, you thought, I've got to do something else. Um, so how did you become an integrated GP? Yeah, I, I guess I've always been interested in nutrition and that aspect of health. And when I studied to be a doctor, I figured that they, we would learn that. And I got I had a list of things I got the, that I thought I'd learn in the medical course. Uh, and when I got to the end of the sixth year, I looked at my list and thought, hmm, we haven't covered any of that (laughs) well not very well you know I thought that I'd have to know a fair bit about headaches I'd have to know a fair bit about back pain I have to know a fair bit about food and I knew very little about any of those and they were the things that I'd seen in the community beforehand anyway I was well trained as a hospital doctor but once I got out in the community I really did find that stuff was not working. I was controlling my diabetics beautifully and their kidneys were still going off. They were still getting their legs chopped off and uh, still getting the eye troubles. And I was talking to other doctors about it and they were going, oh, yeah, 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 you know, this happens. Um, once I started into uh, functional medicine, you know, I went to the States for a talk one time, went to the biochemistry for dummies, Dan the Kayser answered all those questions in 10 minutes, you know, as to insulin resistance and so on. So that was really the start of the journey for me. How long ago that? That was in uh, the late 1990s, 1998. So by that stage I'd been a GP for 17 years. Okay. Um, So I've now had 19 years doing functional uh, general practice and quite a lot of the patients I had for that first bit are still my patients now Uh, so I've still retained a lot of my GP patients Mm. 
although I practice in an integrated way. But so, Tony, you're in a practice with who, actually, who do you work with? That's a good question. Well, to practice, I started with someone else, and we've, we, do, we do the whole gamut of general practice, really, uh, um, including urgent care, A&M, plasters, fractures, all the whole lot. So most, most of the work there is allopathic general practice. Uh, and we and we have a lot of other people there, like physios and social workers and stuff as well. So, so it's how many, quite how many staff would you have it's quite a big practice. Yeah, it is uh, a big practice. Uh, we've got a, we we've got about thirteen full time equivalents for GPs. Yeah. So that translates to uh, seventeen or eighteen doctors, maybe a bit more. Yeah. Um, similar number of nurses. Similar number of other clerical staff and so on. Yeah. So we, we've spread across three locations oh, okay, not just in, the in, in the city. We used to be main in one, but yeah. it's just too big for that now. Okay. And how many you've got? You work with naturopaths? We've, one naturopath joined us about six months ago or eight months ago. Yeah. And she's, she's been pretty busy. Yeah. Uh, the advantage for her has been a bit more access to testing. Uh, and access to our patient load, really. Okay. That, uh, naturopaths do work differently, though, from how we do. Yep. She has her own way of working. So we, when I take on, when she sees a patient for a while before they get to see me, yep. uh, yeah, the notes and things aren't quite how I, how I, what I normally look for. So that's been interesting as well. Okay, just working with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a different model. Okay. And so that transition then, when you decided that you weren't getting the results that you wanted or thought that you'd be getting for your patients, then you moved into doing the integrated GP side of things, the functional medicine side of things. So I know that you come to metagenic seminars and events a lot, and that keeps you training up a little bit. Do you, are there other things that you need to do to become a... I've, I've found GP? the metagenic seminars awesome. Okay. They've been, and, and other GPs I've taken to them, have said these are the best scientific meetings we've ever been to, oh, and they're thank much you better. So much. They're much better than any medical conference, really? and that's true. You know, you go along and you realise a lot of the time that you're getting a bit of a, a drug company party line. Yeah. Um, you're not getting pathophysiology, science, applied physiology, and biochemistry and stuff. And, I, and I've always loved that kind of stuff, so it suits me. And I haven't got that great a memory. I'm not a rote learner. So a lot of doctoring is rote learning, lists and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so you're more of a problem solver? I'm more of a think things out from the beginning and go, oh, that, the pro process must be this or must be that, regardless of the big name diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it suits me. Okay. Uh, is there other qualifications that you need to have to be classified as an integrated GP? Is there some process? I, no, the, no, there isn't. There isn't yeah. even a formal college of integrated general practice. I, I think this sort of thing's coming. Yeah. Uh, there yeah. are more and more GPs practicing this way. The interesting thing is the patients love it. Yeah. And and the uh, professions gradually catching on. Uh, um, Future of medicine. Yes, mm -hmm. but the issue is the, is the long term care of people, uh, whereby w 
the doctor, you're not doing things to people. You're being there with them okay. for their journey. So you're, you're trying to coach and help and, and, and the rules of engagement have changed. Patients come in with a whole lot of information which they've got from all over the place, Uncle Tom Cobley and the web and Goop, you know, everyone. And that's not always dated or even in a perspective and they get a bit of a bias around stuff and, yeah. and, and the, a lot of them know that. Mm. And so they really want someone just to help them navigate through. Yeah. And once they realise you know what you're talking about, they, you get a lot of con they, they've become a lot more confident. And they'll give things a go, and and you, and you get into this to and fro and solution providing, finding. Mm -hmm. So the big thing for GPs, I think, is that you can sit there doing really good care. For example, with your diabetic population, and as you know, they those people have had insulin resistance for years before, and it's that kind of stuff that that undermines their health so that people with diabetes, people with insulin resistance die of diabetes complications before they get to get diabetes, you know. Okay. Well, now we all know that, but in doctor world that's surprising. Okay. And stuff like that, it's quite a paradigm shift. And even, so, a lot of so you can practice away as a GP doing the standard systems and you go to GP meetings and it's all supportive of that but the patients don't really and even in your practice in your heart of hearts you know you're not winning with these people mm. so you become grumpy and fed up with the job age 50 <laughs> and start uh, dabbling in real estate and then you lose a bunch of money and then you have to go back and carry on being a GP so it makes you even more grumpy. <laughs> so the... I shouldn't laugh though, should I? No, well, you know, it, it's, an, it's an interesting thing that if you want to... It's learning, I think, is a key thing in life for your own longevity and happiness and so on. And so it doesn't only help the longevity of your patients or the happiness of them, but yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. It feels worthwhile. Yeah. And the big thing with general practice patients is the people with the big list. Okay. And the people who you're not doing any good with, they're the ones who come back all the time. Yeah. They're the multi-system, multi-symptom yeah. patients. And they come back and sit there and say, here, here I am, doctor, whatever you did two days ago didn't work and I'm back. And that drives doctors out of the job. Really? Yeah. And with functional medicine, you've got a lot more tools. Okay. And so you, you're not frightened of that people with the big list? I mean, you have you, you have solutions and you have ways of managing it. So they come in and they say, oh, I've got all these problems and... And you go, all right, uh, write them out for me, give me a list. And, and you look down the list and you just group them up into the magnesium deficiency and all that sort of thing. And, and you've got a pretty clear, immediate way forward straight off. I suppose the hard part then is they want to tell their story again and again. You've got to get them off the story. Yes and on to other things. So it is a different way of practicing. You've still got to be quite 
tough on time and stuff with people. So how does, um, you've mentioned time a couple of times, so how does the time, consultation time work for a GP? Because my understanding is you've got scheduled, you, you bill for blocks, is that right? For yeah. You, you're scheduled in for. And so how do you work with the payment time side of things, fitting that into what the dictates are for the industry? The industry's worked for years on this idea of paying for a consultation, a standard consultation. So the currency is you come in, you sit down and you have a consultation with a doctor and you pay the fee that's on the board. And that's, uh, in in terms of problem solving, that doesn't work too well. I I did used to see people for half an hour. Okay. Uh, but I've cut that down. Okay. Uh, I, I Is that because your your systems are better, and so you can fit less into more, more into less time. Yeah, it's a bit a bit of that. Yeah. I, I'd love to say that, it, that it's because of that, but uh, <laughs> uh, the the time issue is the pervasive issue okay. in in ordinary general practice and in integrated practice. It's just time, it's paperwork. You get killed off with uh, inboxes full of lab reports and specialist letters and things that uh, you can get sued for missing something in there, you know. So it's a tough job. And and there isn't time to deal with that, just as a normal general practice. So in, in integrated practice, it's pretty much, you've got that too. You don't get out of that. I think what you do though is that you get a perspective where you're not too worried about uh, the patient. You you know that, okay, I've got to make sure I don't miss their things that they can sue you for, you know, missing their cancers and meningitis and stuff. But mostly, particularly once you start seeing someone for a time, it's about a relationship. So I don't try and do too much in any session. I don't think they're going to remember it, yeah. and I'll get bored with it. And so, and I've got a lot of people on the list. Yeah. You're so you're booked out for four months. Is four it? months, yeah. yeah. So, and I have to fit in people through the week who I'm currently dealing with. Okay. Yeah. You know, a lot of them have cancer and fatigue and stuff, and so you've got to fit in extras as well so I I work on a a care plan system so I quite quite quickly try and get to what's what's our strategy here uh, with people so when I first see them I I hear a bit of their story if it's a really complex one I give them a timeline I get them to write or you know give me all this information but uh, I, I ask them to write it out mm-hmm. yeah. so I don't have to sit there and type it all out because it comes out in a jumble, uh, a bit like me talking to you today. <laughs> and uh, so so they can timeline and some of the tools, they can, it gives them a way of thinking about what's happened. Yeah. It gives me a way of validating their experience because until you've done that, you really don't get anywhere with anybody. Everybody wants to be validated. Yeah. Mm. And because you know that at some point with a lot of 
people with long-term uh, failure in the system, they have quite a story. They get quite, they're quite disgruntled, mm, mm. and they can get stuck in their story. And you've got to actually jog them out of that. Certainly, the timeline helps with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The timeline does. But the other thing I do is I get out of their list of symptoms, and I usually give them something day one. Uh, and I say to our other GPs, look, if you really want to give people something while you're sorting them out, just give them magnesium because mostly it'll work. Yeah. For It helps your energy and it helps the stressy stuff. Yeah. And if you want a laundry list, I'll give you one, but generally uh, do that. And, and they're taking that on, the other GPs you work with? Some of them? Yeah, some of them. What one of them said the other day in a meeting was, oh, I've wanted a good placebo. Now, placebo is an interesting thing, you know. The, uh, it's called the clinician effect, actually, because the people with the best placebo effect have the best drug effects as well. Interesting, okay. Yeah, because they're the people who've got their patients on board. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been widely shown in drug studies is that the people who have the best drug effect also do best with the placebo group. Yeah. So, so the wills that they want to get better to start with, and do you think? It's the relationship, really. It's your ability to form a rapport with people and to convince them yeah. that on this journey they're going to do better. Yeah. Yeah. And once that happens, then the power of people's... You've got the will, you've got them on side. Yeah. You know, they're not tearing up your script and throwing it in the bin before they go out the door. No. I was listening to a podcast not that long ago... And it was an interview with a traditional uh, doctor. It was, um, I think he was an Inuit, actually, an mm. doctor. And he does Chinese medicine and a whole lot of other stuff. And it's, it's, he was talking about the same sort of thing. It's the power of intent. Yes. And he gets his patients, since something he's always done himself, he gets his patients before they um, have their tablets, have their supplements, um, or before they have their food, their meals, he gets them to to think about what they want out of it and then to just blow on it yep. before they actually take it. And he said that, that that's something that his grandmother taught him and it's something he's always kept. And uh, he said that it, it actually does work. You know, they're, they're doing something mindfully and, and it, it, he feels for him that it genuinely helps the process. I think it does. Mm. Uh, you know, people say... I say to my patient, well, first of all, I try not to give them... Uh, uh, a great pile of supplements at once. I try and I have this limit of three things in my mind, yeah. and sometimes I'm say, I find myself saying, "Look, I'm sorry, I've given you four things. My rule is three, really." But you know, and they go, "Oh, it's all right." They were thinking they'd have ten. Yeah, yeah. Also, tell people not to put their pills in a pill organizer yeah, and take them out on Monday morning and just swallow them all. Because I say to them, look, that's your magnesium. You've got to think about what your magnesium is for. Think about what your fish oil is for. You know, because I'll be asking you. <laughs> because that's part of what you're doing. Because that's part of the learning curve of how you're going to learn to be well. Yeah. And, and so I don't... Do you think that sounds strange? Would sound strange to a GP, somebody that hadn't had any training in functional medicine? Yes, it does, because they, they think that just confirms that what you that the patient isn't really sick and it's all in their mind. Well, I love these statements. Um, and uh, 
that they don't really need to be there anyway. Mm. All they need to do is get a grip. Wow. And yeah. you're still seeing that um, reflected in the industry? In yes. Yeah? Oh, yeah. It's, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but the... So, so, yes, there is that, but there's a strong element in functional medicine of patient teaching patients. Yes, yeah. So working with a nurse and naturopath, and we have a social worker as well and in the practice, it, it's good because yes. I'm not bad at talking. I always talk to people about their food. Yeah. But when we get into nitty-gritty detail and they need to do a diary and they want to talk about it yeah, a lot... I think that's better managed uh, with either a nutritionist or my nurse is a, a nutritionist, has a okay. nutrition qualification anyway. Yeah. So that's pretty good because that, that, their time's much better spent that way. So that sort of leads me on to then the question. I'd like to have a, a visual, an image. So what's a day in the life of? day in the life of an integrated GP like? So how many patients might you see... How do you decide, um, is this going to be an integrated type of approach or is this going to be more mainstream GP type of approach? Um, where do you send somebody out to get the extra information, that side of things? How okay. do you manage the time? Yeah, the, the time management, when you're starting out here, yeah. uh, it's daunting. And, and I held off doing it for a long time. And I spoke to some guys in America who'd been doing it. I sat in with a guy in America who was doing this. And I thought, oh, wow, this is awesome. Um, but all those guys there gave up their general practice. They stopped seeing those patients. Okay. My attitude is that patients don't know whether they're an integrated patient or an A&M patient or a GP patient. They just know they want to see someone about their issue. Point. And so I, I have to try and fit in with what where they come from. Mm-hmm. So I do get people come in and they're not the slightest bit interested in my funny functional medicine stuff. They just want some drugs. So I do uh, uh, move them gently into the other practitioners in our practice because it's just a waste of... Well, the, I've got a big waiting list, so I really can't really keep people like that. Mm. Uh, but the advantage of being an integrated GP is that drugs can work really well, for uh, particularly for symptom situations. Yeah. And it's brilliant being able to use that as well. So, you, so I commonly use a combination of the two. Okay. And it's a massive advantage as a practitioner... You can order tests on the fund, massive advantage. Uh, And also there's this idea still in the community somehow that doctors are, you know, um, um, believable people. And so if you get one of them who also will talk the language of uh, self-care, health, uh, food, exercise mind stilling, uh, how you might use supplements, what this means. I think people feel a great degree of confidence in that. Okay. And they... It's your they, person of authority. And they... Yeah. yeah. And, you, and, of course, you have access to a specialist referral into the specialist systems as well. Yeah. 
So it's interesting. So from a professional point of view, longer consultations, how much do I charge? How long do I really need? Um, how do I start? So I just started off with uh, weight loss and with um, insulin resistance. You soon run up against, oh God, there's something else going on here. Because when you first start, you have so much success that you think you're king of the king of the world <laughs> for for a few weeks, and then you think, oh no, I don't know anything about hormones, or I don't know anything about um, you know these other things. Uh, well, the gut. So, but so you build on things as as you're learning. That's how I did it. So just just small pieces at a time as yeah. you as you move. Yeah. Are we focusing on? May I ask? Are we focusing on? interest areas or the need that came through in the practice? It's the need, really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, the issue with that, of course, is that you constantly feel a bit inadequate mm -hmm. uh, because you constantly feel that you uh, know nothing and you've got to learn something new, which isn't too bad. <laughs> a it's, it's actually nice to hear that because I think a lot of naturopaths feel that way as well. Mm. You, know, you sort of get to a stage where you, you know a lot about a certain area but the other areas tend to not be quite so clear. Things can be a little bit fuzzy in those areas. So yeah. it happens on the, the GP side of the world as well as on the... Oh, yeah. It's very... Ha I, mean, I mean, basically, it's a big topic, the human body, and there's, uh, none of us can know it all. And I think one of my great teachers from IFM, David Jones, had a lecture. He talked about uncertainty. Yeah. And he said, you, as a practitioner, you have to become comfortable with where the uncertainty is and I found that very helpful because that is how I work okay. and I do make that visible to patients as well so I might say at the state of current knowledge or we don't know much about this or I don't know what really is happening here but let's go there and people will come on that journey with you yeah. and and you just have to check in that you're not doing anything medically unsafe Mm. But mostly, you know, that's mm. hardly ever an issue, mm. and and it's a very rewarding practice. You you just got to stay on ground where you're safe yourself. What do you mean by that? Uh, stick to either what you know or what you can research. Okay. Yeah. And be just be honest with people about it, and they're, and they're fine. I think when you said before, you know, I don't know, I think the phrase, I don't know, is a very powerful phrase. Yeah. I think it, it shows that you're human, that there's a level of humility and that uh, openness and a curiosity to wanting to learn more. Yeah. You know, I get people come in, quite a lot of people come in from elsewhere and they've got some kind of weird neurological diagnosis or something and they tell me what it is and I say, can you write that down? And they bring it. And I say to them, hang on, I'll just have to Google that. I've never heard of it. <laughs> so I go in, I Google it, and I go, oh, yes, okay, all right. And it's neurodegenerative. I mean, what's um, Mark Houston talks about, there are three finite responses. You know, there's oxidative stress, um, inflammation, and immune dysfunction. And, and once you remember pearls like that, yeah. you just can breathe out and start working with someone and for them it's immensely 
satisfying that you haven't freaked out on them. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think that there is a tendency for practitioners to freak out? Yeah. They don't know the answers. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you don't want too many patients like that coming to see you. You have a bad day. You know. Oh, you mean if you if you if, don't have the tools, you don't. If you don't have any tools, if you yeah. don't know what to do, it, it, I mean, it's not a very nice way to work. Mm. And and the people that you don't know what to do with, they're the ones that come back, yeah. and and behave in a dependent way, and that really is very difficult for doctors. Yeah. Very difficult, and um, they hate it. So besides. Becoming an integrated GP, besides the obvious benefit to the patients of them getting mm. better care and better solutions, putting words in your mouth, uh, yep, it's true. The benefits to you as a practitioner, as a as a human, as a person that's you know working through their life. I think that most day, well, every day, pretty well. There'd be a rare day that you don't look back at the day and think, "Gee, I had some good wins today." Even miracles. <laughs> you know, love you, a miracle. You get you get big wins. You do, and you get big wins often with patients. Same day, you'll have scored three new ones coming in at the front end that you don't know whether you're going to have any sort of win with them. So it keeps you humble, yep. but it is nice to have big wins. Yep. It you also know at the end of a consultation that in your heart that's gone well and mostly you feel like that mm. <clears throat> and occasionally you don't and you think oh I've got to sort that out with that person I didn't do well there yeah. so you might have to do some research or get them back or s do something yeah. but that happens in ordinary practice as well okay. but I think you, f you feel a lot more job satisfaction yeah. Uh, there's always some, the, the learning you feel as if it, it's real science, which is interesting because a lot of doctors think of this as being not real science, yeah. but it's actually far more rigorous and scientific than a lot of what we do. And even when what we look at as best practice, I must say that has changed. It's a lot better now, even in allopathic work. but. It's just get. It does feel as if you're practicing solid science. It's really nice to hear. Yeah, and also the learning. Uh, you know, there's there's always a couple of learning projects on the go. Yeah. Um, the pile gets pretty big at times. <laughs> <laughs> and just as uh, so. And, but it's fun. It really is fun to learn. It's very satisfying. And Jeffrey Bland did say that one time about it enhances the longevity of the practitioner as well as the patient. Did he say that? So mm. Jeffrey Bland, for those that don't know, is touted as the father of functional medicine. And uh, yeah, he's just a brilliant, brilliant mind. So yeah, yeah, yeah a, ma a major, major uh, influence on me. Has he? I've been getting his um, monthly digest since 1994. Wow, have you? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, so for somebody that was starting out and thinking, okay, look, I'd like to make the transition from being a GP to becoming a functional medicine doctor. Yeah. Um, or integrated GP. 
how what what would the steps be where where would they go for initial resources where would they look there's to get the education and the understanding there's a lot of avenues now okay uh, a, in New Zealand at the moment, we're seeing a lot of GPs coming into this area through the gene testing. Okay. So they're doing fit genes or one of those. Mm -hmm. Fit genes would be very popular here now. Uh, they have an educational program, which is oh, pretty solid and okay. sound. Yeah. Um, and and there's, a, there's the um, um, ACNAM. Yep. In Australia and and here, aim aim We've got aim in Australia. In Australia, there's all of those things spill over a bit okay. into here. Yeah. Um, so there's an increasing amount of uh, material available. Webinars. You I mean you could do webinars every day now? Yeah. Uh, from various providers, and then there's the metagenics seminars, which have been, you know. When I started out, they were head and shoulders above everything else. Mm -hmm. The others are, you know, striving to catch up, and and they're doing a pretty good job as well now. Yeah. Um, so so there's a lot more material available. Yeah. We've also got um, podcasts. Well, I don't know whether you're aware, and we've just got one that came out with Jeff Bland that Nathan did. So oh. if you feel like you want to. You know, podcast up with some of the, yeah. the clinicians and people that are doing the good stuff. It's an look, th look, those things are inspiring. They really are. Mm. Uh, and uh, again, it's partly time now. Okay. But but the good thing about podcasts and webinars and things, especially if you can, if there's a library of them, you can just look up. Yeah. Uh, they are good um, to, I think, get you on your way. The, most of these things are not recognised by the College of GPs for CME. Okay, so you just do it off your own bat. Yeah, and then you've still got to do the other stuff, mm. Mm. which is... You say that with a frown. It sticks in your core a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit of a bugbear. The Congress used to be accredited by the Australian College, mm. and I found out after a few years that it was also, if they did, then the New Zealand College would. Oh, okay. Yeah. But since then, then that's well, that's ended, of course, which is a yeah. retrograde step. Uh, but this will all come. Yeah. I think that patience—it's people power. Mm. In the end, people power drives language, evolution, everything. Yeah. And it'll drive medicine as well. Yeah. And so people want this. Yeah. They want to be. They want to take charge of their own care and the governments want them to and doctors want them to. So this is all, these are just tools to help mm. as far as I can see. Yeah. Uh, so so I think, I'm really pleased I've done, done this. It's been, it's made my job, my medical job, something that I wouldn't give up. Great. Uh, so you were looking at giving up, or you were becoming disillusioned, and then this is. Oh no, I never got that far. Okay. I never got disillusioned because yeah. of, because I started this early on okay. in my career. Yeah. Well, so I've practiced functional medicine longer than mm -hmm. I did not. Yeah. Um, and you've obviously got a reputation in New Zealand. You've got a lot of people that know that that's what you do, and if they want to go to a functional. 
yeah. GP. Are there many in New Zealand? Well, you know, you could just about count us on one hand a few yeah. years ago, yeah. but uh, I think now it's, uh, there's a lot more people doing different aspects of functional medicine. Okay. You know, uh, I, I did the Fit Genes training last year and came across a whole bunch of practitioners in that group that I hadn't met before. Yeah. And some of them are doing some brilliant work. Great, that's so good to hear. You know, yeah. in the um, psychiatry yeah. area especially. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Have you got um, any advice for, for maybe naturopaths or other, other modalities, yeah, acupuncturists, homeopaths? that might want to work in with an integrated GP. Do you have any advice of how how that might come about, or is that not something that you're in a position to be able to talk about? Oh no, I can talk about it. The it's like anything, anyone you work with, it's getting to know them. Okay. So it's the relationship, really. Uh, it's the same thing with specialists that you refer to. Yeah. Uh, or the latest catch cry in New Zealand, integration of primary and secondary care, you know, having it work better, having the hospitals devolve into the the specialists into the community. The, the issue there is getting to know each other okay. and respect each other. Once you do that, then the referrals, the working together, what's the capability of this person, yeah. how you actually speak of them to a patient, yeah. they pick that up pretty yeah. quick. How would, how would a practitioner approach, what would you be words of advice for a practitioner to approach a GP, integrated GP, to be able to work with? So how, because I know you guys are absolutely flat-strapped during the day and getting in to see an appointment's nigh on impossible. Um, I've worked with integrated GPs before. So how do you actually get your foot in the door to get to build that relationship? How does that happen? Do you yeah. invite them out for breakfast or do you coffee or do you... <laughs> Yeah, that that is very difficult. Or do you just hang out at seminars? At seminars. seminars. It, it's seminar way. networking, I think, is okay. the best way. Here we go, everybody. Network at seminars. Go and talk to people. It's the, <laughs> it's the breaks. It's talking together. You know, um, oh, th that guy seemed pretty reasonable. He seemed pretty good. And, and it's like a doctor-patient relationship. It doesn't just happen first time. No. You have to get to know someone. Yeah. And... You know, the practitioners that I use, like chiropractors and massage therapists and acupuncturists and um, Feldenkrais and all the rest in our community, are people that I've met and, and know, counsellors, same thing. Yeah. Because otherwise, you, how, do you, how do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's patient uh, word of mouth. Okay. A bunch of your patients have said this person's really good. Okay. Uh, if that's happening... Uh, and for you as an, as an acupuncturist, and you're finding that a lot of your patients are seeing that same doctor and they seem to be getting on well, then that would be a good time to go and introduce yourself. Yeah, great, great advice, because we do get asked that. I get asked that quite a bit, you know, how do you get in the door? How do you get to meet someone? Oh, it's so hard, yeah. 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 Because it's just another appointment. It's another thing. It's another... Another load. Another, another thing that you, doesn't mean much. Yeah. Sorry to say that, but it doesn't, you know. Well, no, that, well, that makes sense. I think you've got to think shoe on the other foot or whatever I'm trying to say, walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. Is, you know, thinking, well, how would you feel if, if a GP just knocked on your door and went, 
hi, you know, I want to I want to work with you. Mm. Mind you, having said that, most practitioners probably go, oh, awesome, yeah. <laughs> 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 a gift from God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think working together, mm. practitioners working to collaboration gets the best results. No matter where you look in the world, that's where the progress is being made. Yeah. We we have to be teams, not islands. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it's an integral part of what we do. Okay. But developing the network is a very human thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is with specialist referral as well. Okay. So, GPs and specialists, exactly the same issue. Yeah. So it's not just naturopaths or people, you know, it's not just that difficulty, it's within the profession as well. Yeah, the wide community. Yeah. 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 So today's um, podcast is called Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Mm. And I would like to be able to build on what you're doing or help practitioners to build on what you're doing by having an understanding of what it's like to be an integrated GP and encourage GPs that are thinking that they'd like to move into that field to, to feel that it's something that is worthy. And I'm definitely talking to you today, I'm definitely sold on the, the worthiness that I was, I was an easy sell in. Um, so words of advice. What, what advice would you give to somebody that's thinking of making that transition across? I think you've got to look at why you're doing it. Am I doing it to make money? Um, probably won't make much difference to your money. You might make more money pushing people through fast. Um, if you're doing it to have a better work life, and to get people better and to just have a bit more balance in your life and be learning something in your work that benefits your own life, do it. You can't, it's hard to know where to start. Uh, one of the things I've spoken to our doctors about, I gave them a little talk on um, probiotics, magnesium and fish oil, <laughs> how these fit into your everyday practice. And oh, they quite like that. <laughs> um, if you really want to learn about something, learn about gut, dysbiosis and leaky gut. Good starting point. Great starting point. Because it leads into inflammation and that's the root of all evil anyway. And there's a lot of drivers behind that and, and connections. And it's a good, uh, well, it's the central place to start. Mm. And in my practice, I always end up there anyway, um, but I, I don't often start there. Comes around full circle. Yeah, it comes around, uh, but it's always there. So gut, good thing. Um, insulin resistance, another big topic. Uh, I wouldn't go hormones as a starting point. People, well, yeah. Well, Angela, your talk on hormones was one of the best ones I've been to in spite of all, all the stuff we've done where you talked about deciding on the basis of symptoms, not measuring things, because as doctors we do that and we tend to get involved with that and it's a dead-end street. Okay. So I, I'd go gut and insulin resistance and 
basic stuff. Um, when I started this, I, I learned a bunch of stuff, went into health food shops and pharmacies, stood there, and I was still bewildered mm. as to what to do with patients. And it wasn't until I got involved with uh, Metagenics as practitioner, um, provider of supplements that I found real tools that I could use that mm. would, would work. Um, eventually, we, we are required when we sell something to someone in a practice to be able to give them the options of where they can buy these things or what other options yeah. there are and how this fits into the world. And, and I'm comfortable with that now. I've been comfortable with stocking product. Um, I haven't regarded it as some kind of um, bad and evil thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been greatly benefited in the practice because we've had some powerful tools there. So you can't do functional medicine and tell people what, about what to buy from the pharmacy. It's just not good enough. So that was a key thing okay. as well. Okay. And uh, so, so you do have to use those products okay. and become comfortable with it, yeah. That's um, such great advice, I think, you know, just to start off with the basics, start off with the gut, start yeah. off with knowing what your products are and supplying them that you want your patients to be on. And uh, insulin resistance always comes in as, a, as an issue, particularly these days with the uh, weight issues that, that we're dealing with. But thank you so much for your time today. I really, really do appreciate it. I think that with you, if you're going into ins insulin resistance or any of these things, you, re you really need to develop someone who you can refer to who'll talk to them in detail about food. Okay. It's fairly time-consuming. And I talk to people broad brush about food, but a lot of people want a lot more detailed support. And uh, Mark Hyman said, you, "Practicing without a nutritionist for him is like practicing without a stethoscope." Wow. Okay. And I think so. You've got a nutritionist. In yeah, and I think I think that's a very helpful. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that'd be my other comment. So your last bit of advice is to have somebody close that works in closely with you to do those longer consultations with the in-depth yeah yeah uh, like a lea yeah. lifestyle education advisor yep yeah assistant yeah well we're using health coaches mm -hmm. um through an app and at the moment as well so mm. high tech it's all coming <laughs> yeah thanks tony cheers thank you for listening to the metagenics best practice podcast Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our Practitioner-Only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter.